All right, Romans chapter 16, verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church in Sancria. All right, now Phoebe. Phoebe is bringing this letter to Rome. She has a very, very special job. As best as we can tell, we can look at the history of this time and we see that Sancria is in Corinth. It's in a coastal part of Corinth where she's actually probably became a Christian because of Paul's ministry there in Corinth for about a year and a half or so. Now we look at this word deacon and there's a lot of debate whether or not she was an actual deacon or if she was just a deacon in the name servant. But when we look at this word, we can interchange it. In the King James, it says servant. And in the NLT, it says deacon. And guess what? They mean the same thing. Deacon means servant and servant means deacon. So there's not a lot to to argue about there. Um, I want you to see the, the definition of the Greek word. And as I was like saying this word today in my brain, I was like, All right, I am, for those of you that don't know, I'm a quarter Greek. So I was like, okay, there's gotta be a fiber in my body that can pronounce this name properly, but I probably won't. So if you know Greek, don't judge me. Actually, there's gonna be so many names tonight in this chapter. I did not go to theology school, so I'm gonna do the best that I can. I don't even think the Bible app guy pronounces them correctly because depending on who you listen to, they say it a little different, okay? So you can judge them, all right? Not... (laughs) Don't judge me. So whenever you are listening to your Bible, someday be like, oh, she didn't say it like that, you know. Anyway, but the word, the Greek word for deacon or servant is diakonos, all right? Diakonos, and it means the servant of a king, a person who advances others' interests, even at the sacrifice of their own. And actually, if you look at this word, it kind of goes on and on and on and, and just naming what it actually means or what it is to be a servant. Um, Let's keep going. All right, so Phoebe, who is a deacon, she is a servant in the church in Sancria. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many and especially to me. So Paul is giving them some instructions. When when you get this letter from Phoebe, this lady is a servant of servants. She has been a protector of God's people. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila. And if you've read your Bible much, you know that they were very, very close friends of Paul. Paul spent some time. They were all in the same profession. So he said, give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila because now they're living in Rome. He said, they were my co-workers in the ministry of Jesus Christ. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I am thankful for them. And so are all the Gentile churches. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. So not only are they still faithfully loving God, but they are hosting church in their home. Greet my friend, my dear friend, Epinetus. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my my fellow Jews, who were in prison with me. They are highly respected among the apostles and became followers of Christ before I did. Greet Ampliatus, 
my dear friend in the Lord, greet Orbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachus, greet Apelles, a good man whom Christ approves, and give my greetings to all the believers from the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet the Lord's people from the household of Narcissus. Give my greetings to Tryphena and Tryphosa, the Lord's workers, and to dear Persis, who has worked so hard for the Lord. Greet Rufus, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother, who has been a mother to me. And then give my greetings to Asyncretus, Phlegion, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brothers and sisters who meet with them. Give my greetings to Philo, okay, this is going to be a hard one, Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and to Olympus and all the believers who meet with them. Greet each other with a sacred kiss, and all the churches of Christ of Christ send you their greetings. All right, so Paul just went through and named a whole lot of people. You can tell that these are people that he really loved and it's probably like, did I miss anybody in the church of Rome? You know, he was making sure he got everyone that he knew in that greeting. And I love what... um I love what Warren Wearsby says about this part. He says, what a a remarkable chapter. In it, Paul greeted at least 26 people by name, and he also greeted several churches that were meeting in homes. He closed with greetings from nine uh, believers who were with him in Corinth. So in a minute, we're going to read about the ones who were actually with Paul, and he's like, and they all say hi too. Um, But he says that... There's a significance in this. It shows that Paul was a friend maker as well as a soul winner. So let's, let's look at that. What is the significance of all of these names? It shows that Paul was a friend maker as well as a soul winner. He won people to Jesus. Jesus, people are important to Jesus. People are important to Jesus. And if we love Jesus, and if we're serving Jesus, people are going to be important to us too. So there's this importance that Paul had for this. He did not try to live an isolated life, Warren Wearsby said. He had friends in the Lord and he appreciated them. They were a help to him personally and to his ministry. All right, so let's keep going. So now Paul's going to give them some final instructions. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. He gives some really bold advice. He says, stay away from them. Now, how are we going to know who is causing divisions, and who is teaching things that are contrary to what you've been taught? Is it just like, oh, whatever the pastor at your church teaches, like this verse isn't applying to that? I mean, it is, but it isn't. If the pastor of your church is teaching things that's contrary to the word of God, then that's a problem. If people are trying to teach you things that are contrary to what you've heard taught from the word of God, then you need to, as the Bible says here, stay away from them. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't have conversations with them. Like she was saying, uh, Michelle, earlier, like we want to have grace. We can have a graceful conversation. There was some points in the Bible where there were believers that were a little bit off in what they were believing. Like for a while, 
Was it Aquila and Priscilla that were teaching the baptism of John? Who was that? Anyway, I don't want to misquote this, but somebody was still teaching the baptism of John. And I believe it was Paul that took him under the wing and I was like, hey, guess what? That's old news. (laughs) Like Jesus has resurrected this is the new way. This is the gospel. And they were like, oh my goodness, thank you so much for telling us. They agreed with what was true. They came together in agreement. It wasn't like a fight. Well, I like the baptism of John. At one point, people were even fighting about who baptized them in one of the early churches. And Paul's like, look, I don't care if Apollos baptizes you or if this person, I, he's like, I wish that I didn't baptize any of you because I don't want to be part of this fight. You know. So those types of things are not, are not so much the big deal. What's important is that we're all lining ourselves up under the word of God and what God says. But how are you going to know what God's word says? You gotta read it. You've got to study it yourself. One of the dangers of being a new believer is that people can come along and in their excitement that you're a new believer, they can teach you some things that are actually contrary to God's word. So that's a good reason to ask for advice. Maybe you have been approached by somebody that's wanting to teach you that, you know, Jesus wasn't really God, or I don't know, like who knows what people will try to teach you. But as they try to teach you some things, you should always check your Bible. Paul is telling them, he said, hey, these people, if they teach you things that are contrary to what you've been taught, so the word of God, stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. Now that's hard because sometimes, like we talked about last week, people will say like, I'm serving Christ. They'll use Jesus's name even to do things or say things. But the Bible says that there are many Christs who have gone out into the world. And that is a spirit that is actually against Christ. It's Antichrist. Antichrist isn't just the guy that's going to come in the tribulation and be in charge of a one world government and a one world religion. The spirit of Antichrist in John, 1 John, it says it's already now in the world. And if that spirit was at work back then in the early church, how much more clever things has Satan come up with today? One of the things that blew my mind about moving to LA was how many different Christian, like versions of Christianity there was. I honestly was shocked. I mean, and people called it Christianity. I'm just kind of like, we got to look at the scripture and be like, that's, that's not it. You know what I mean? When I compare scripture with scripture, what some of the people that were saying they believed in Jesus are saying is not what the Bible says about Jesus. But we're not gonna know if we don't study God's word. And we're also not gonna know if we don't, what the Bible says, try the spirits. Say, God, is this from you? And if they're not uplifting Jesus Christ as the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but by him, And sometimes we need to be really careful because people will say like, yes, we believe that, but you also need to do this too. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, that salvation is a free gift of God, not of works. If you have to do something in order to earn it, it's not a gift. And so even in Christian circles, you got to watch out for that stuff. And um, yeah, and so I think if we know those things and we get those things clear in our heart, then we won't get led away. But it does say such people are not serving Christ our Lord. This is in verse 18. 
they're serving their own personal interests. What do you think that could mean? How would they be preaching Jesus but serving their own personal interests? Any ideas? Yeah, absolutely. They might not be doers of the word, she said. Yeah, their own their own fame. They just want to be known. Because honestly, I mean, speaking the word of God in a church, it gives you a platform. And you need to be really careful because in, in the book of James, it says, honestly, he's like, I don't want a lot of you to be teachers because you're gonna be judged more harshly. And it doesn't mean you can't teach the word. Like, praise God, if you have a gift to teach, teach. We love to have different ones teaching. Susie will probably teach again soon and Tallinn and who knows who else will have teach at some point. But if you're gonna do it, you better be really, really sure, like we talked about last week, that you're submitted to God because otherwise you can be lifted up in pride. And so we have to be careful with that. Um, I feel like, Chandra, were you gonna say something? Yeah, absolutely. Here's another one that quite frankly is downright sad and scary for money. There are churches that preach what many people have dubbed the prosperity gospel. And I'll be honest, that is, it is not right. That kind of prosperity gospel is a lie of the enemy because when you look at the scriptures all throughout the New Testament, not one, not one of the apostles preached a prosperity gospel. It was actually quite the opposite of that. Deny yourself. I watched something recently where they were taking up an offering. Um, it was part of a, you know, it was at a, at a church, a mega church. And I'm not saying that every me- mega church preaches the prosperity gospel because that's not true. There are some mega churches that preach the gospel. But this was a mega church, and, and I would say they definitely preach the prosperity gospel. And I was just trying to watch this for a purpose. I had a purpose in it. And it wasn't to judge them or anything like that. But during the service, they were taking up the offering. And it was very different. Now we have an offering box in the back and that doesn't make us like more spiritual. It's fine to like pass a plate. There's nothing wrong with that. But the way that they were emphasizing what God will do if you give, that was not, that was not right. Okay. God does bless us when we give to him, but it doesn't mean that you're going to get a Mercedes and it doesn't mean that you're going to have a mansion And it doesn't mean that you will always have good health. God does not promise health and wealth for faithful, obedient giving. He does say that he will meet your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Okay, so that's some ways that we can kind of know because honestly, some of them sound very, very good. They sound good and you have to be discerning. And it says here, by smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. They, de- they deceive people that maybe are just not really sure. They have good intentions. They mean well. They're getting to know God. But every, or maybe they're not getting to know God because maybe they're not hearing it totally true, but their heart is to know God. And I believe if somebody's heart is to know God, they're gonna find him regardless of where they're going to church. They will find him, even if it's by cracking open their own Bible at home and learning about him from the pages of scripture. 
All right, so verse 19, but everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing right and stay innocent of any wrong. Uh, Verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. He's saying, hey, someday his time is coming and he is going to be forever obliterated. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends you his greeting, as do Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, okay, now you're like, wait a second, I thought Paul is writing this. Well, he is, but he is having it dictated to Tertius. He said, I, Tertius, am the one writing this letter for Paul. Send my greetings to, as one of the Lord's followers. Now, if you're following along in the NLT, this is the one thing I'm not a big fan of, on your paper, there's verse 24, all right? Sometimes in some versions of the Bible, it will skip a verse that the King James leaves in, and that happens here. So this is what it says. Romans 16, 24 says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. But it's not over. Tertius is kind of giving his closing, Paul goes on. Gaius says hello to you. He is my host and also serves as host to the whole church. Erastus, the city treasurer, sends you his greetings, and so does our brother Cordus. Now, all glory to God, who is able to make you strong, just as my good news says, this message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you. Now, think about how much we've studied. 16 chapters in the book of Romans. We have gone through a lot of scriptures. So think about what his good news, this good news that Paul has shared says. This message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles. A plan kept secret from the beginning of time, but now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever, amen. All right, we made it through the book of Romans. Congratulations. All right, I want to say a couple of things in closing really quickly. Here's Romans summed up in my words, okay? I'm not saying that I got this from, you know, some other, you know, I don't know, book. (laughs) This is just as I thought about the book of Romans today in a whole, I was like, if I was just going to write like the very, very shortest summary that I could of the book of Romans, this is pretty much in my mind like the highest of high points. There's so much though. Romans is all about grace. Grace is the unfailing and undeserved love of Jesus Christ. We saw that God's grace has been made available abundantly to everyone who will ask for it, right? I mean, the grace is available for everyone, but you don't actually receive the grace until you accept the grace that's been given. Because God has given us this kind of love and forgiveness, he expects us to pour out that kind of grace on each other. Remember when we got to that part? We in the body are members one of another. Remember, the Jews and the Gentiles are all together in this one way that God has made us, this body of Christ, when we've believed in Jesus. So we are the body, members one of another. Now, I want you to think about this for just a minute. A healthy person 
a mentally healthy person will not hurt their own body. We've heard of people cutting themselves, right? And that's so sad. And I want to say this. If, if you struggle with self-harm or something like that, come and talk to me about it. I want to I encourage you in the Lord and, um, and we can have that conversation. But uh, somebody who is mentally healthy, that's in a, in a good state of mind, hurting themselves is like the last thing they really want to do. Because I mean, ouch, right? It's so painful. It's, it's, it's torture. But when we are not careful, we hurt each other with cutting remarks. And we forget that we're all part of each other. When we hurt someone else, we're hurting ourselves. When we are not kind to a brother and sister in Christ, we're hurting our own body. So be good to the body of Christ. Treat your brothers and sisters in Christ the way that you want to be treated. And I went ahead and added this verse as well, Romans 12, 9 through 10. Don't just pretend to love others. And let's be real. In church, people pretend sometimes. And I get it. Like sometimes we come to church and we're just having a tough day, right? We've all been there. We come to church, we're maybe not feeling it. You know, we might not be feeling as excited or as happy. Maybe we've not been as rested. Maybe we don't feel 100% physically. But I'm glad that you're here, regardless. If you're coming to church and you're hurting, good. You're right where you should be. But let me encourage you with this. Don't lash out, but do be real it's okay to come hurting. It's okay to come crying. It's okay to come a little bit off. And if someone that knows you well notices that you're not 100%, they might come to you and be like, hey, I noticed you're not doing 100% today. How can I pray for you? Be open and honest with them about it. Be thankful. Don't think like, oh my goodness, I shouldn't have come because someone noticed that I wasn't 100%. Like, it's okay. Come as you are. But as we're loving people, let's not pretend. It says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. And I think honestly, that's a really good way to close. Um, This has been an awesome book of the Bible. I've actually like, enjoyed this so much because I feel like Romans is one of those books that I've always tended to read through pretty quickly when I'm reading through the Bible and I'm not really taking the time to study it deeply. There were a few things in, like I mentioned before, in chapters 9, 10, and 11 that quite frankly just felt a little confusing in the past. And it was so nice to just be able to really dive in and compare scripture with scripture and understand what God is saying to us. Um, so much about God's grace being poured out on us, on humanity, on the church. And um, I think that as we pray for each other and lift each other up, one of my desires for us tonight is to really be real with each other. And I've encouraged your growth group leaders to encourage you to be real. Sometimes we can get into like weird funks where we're just kind of like, I'm coming, I'm doing the church thing. And, and if you're in a group with other, you're, well, of course you're in a group with other people. When you are in a group with other people, 
I'm just gonna go ahead and say this to everybody. What happens in that group, it stays in that group. Your group should be a place where people can share their prayer requests and their deepest hurts without being worried that anybody will say anything to someone else about it. And I'll be honest, like, I don't know of that happening. I feel like for the most part, our church women, you guys do a great job genuinely, genuinely loving people enough to not spread people's stuff around. I mean, if that's happening, I don't know about it. But I just wanna encourage us to keep that keep that going, keep that spirit of love for one another. If, if you ever want to share someone's prayer request and burden, ask them first. Just ask them if they mind, if it's something that you share. Um, same, like even with your husband, like we're not going to share, or with your boyfriend, like we're not going to share what we talk about in groups with other people because it's so important that when we get in these groups, these are our sisters in Christ that really need to be able to share their heart. And if they can't share it here safely, where can they share it, you know? Um, and, and, and you may talk tonight and realize that you need some counseling. And if you need like legit Christ, Christian counseling, talk to us about that because some things are so deep. It's not gonna, like growth group is amazing, but it's not therapy, you know what I mean? So if you need more counseling than that, we actually have some people in our church that can help you with that, that actually know what they're doing and talking about. So we can have that conversation. If it's trauma counseling you need and we don't have that kind of counseling available for you, Philip and I have actually done research to find some good Christian counselors in our area that deal specifically with trauma counseling. So I want you to know there is help to be had. We are here for you and we love you. And we're always gonna point you to Christ first, but sometimes we need other people too that can help us. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I wanna thank you so much for your word. God, your word is truth and we love it. We are so grateful for it. And Lord, as we finish this book, I pray that we would um, really be thinking about how you have impacted our lives through it and how you have called us to be different as a result of what your word has done in our lives. God, we thank you and we praise you. Pray that you be with each of the women in their, in their growth group time tonight, Lord. I pray that it would be encouraging and refreshing. And uh, Lord, I just thank you for what you are doing in our church family, God. I pray that you would continue to bring others in so we can minister and show them the kind of love that you've showed us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.